So Mike is not here today, um, but I figured, Shahid, that for episode 50, we should still do something special. And it's the first episode of 2018. And of course, we've, we've spent, you know, 2017 mostly uh, talking about Nintendo and the Switch. Some people have said, including Mike, that Remaster has become the Nintendo Switch podcast, which I sort of understand because you could argue that the Switch has been, you know, this cultural phenomenon last year. But I thought, we thought, why don't we start 2018 by talking about what's coming next, what we want to see in 2018 by all the major players in the video game industry. So why don't we start and we talk about PlayStation? Yeah, it's interesting you should say about the Nintendo Switch being our main focus in 2017, because all the way up to the Nintendo Switch launch window and just before, we were effectively PlayStation focused, you know, 2016, yeah. we were talking about PS4, PSVR, all of that stuff, you know, right. um, it, it's no accident that we switched. Um, you'll, you'll excuse oh. the pun. That was totally <laughs> unintentional. Oh, no. I realized when it was coming out of my mouth and I regret it deeply, but it's no accident. It's a damn good machine. Mm. It satisfies so many of our desires in so many different ways, in so many different contexts. It's everything that we hoped it would be. And the games have been coming, you know? And yeah. what games as well? Yeah, yeah. And Can it, they keep it up this year, though? Hmm. That, that's a big question. Uh, but it's interesting that you say that about PlayStation, because by any metric, when it comes to the traditional consoles, uh, PlayStation 4 is still the best-selling console uh, of this generation. You know, they recently announced uh, over, I think, 73 million units sold today, which is insane because just a few years ago, um, a lot of folks, in, especially in the tech press and in the video game press, were saying consoles are dead and it's all mobile uh, from here on out. Uh, consoles are not relevant anymore. And here we are with over 70 million PlayStation 4 units and two, uh, fam- two, two lines in the PlayStation 4 family, the standard and the pro and the PlayStation VR. And it's, it's interesting that it's still selling well and there's still a lot of game, a lot of great games coming this year, but especially the past six, seven months uh the switch has really taken off from a cultural perspective so even if it doesn't you know of course the switch doesn't have that many units on the market as the playstation 4 but it's the sort of the hot topic of conversation you know um the playstation 4 is selling well but i would say that maybe it's not surprising anymore and so i wonder if in 2018 and i want to ask you if you think that maybe sony is interested in doing this. PlayStation 4 is doing well, but it's not the object that people talk about. Do you think that Sony has considered or is planning maybe some kind of response to the Switch in 2018? That's a great question because the obvious answer to that would be, are Sony reconsidering mm-hmm. stopping mobile activity? Mm-hmm. Was was Vita definitely their last mobile experiment? Well, the reason Switch is so successful is because it is essentially a powerful handheld device, the spiritual successor to the Vita, if ever there was one, masquerading as a home console. It really is it's a portable console, a high, albeit a high-powered portable console, that you can dock and use with your TV. So I don't see that uh, PlayStation would want to do that. 
The only way it would make sense is if they turned the PS4 into a Switch. Otherwise, you have all of those mm. interoperability issues and you're asking developers to rebuild their games for, for yet another format, yet more fragmentation. Right. Um, which would be a shame because I, I still love the Vita, but I think the the Switch is the, the rightful heir to it. I think Nintendo have always been number one in the mobile gaming console category, and they're still number one in the mobile gaming console category. And I, I don't know if it makes sense for PlayStation to do that. The interesting thing about PlayStation also is that, and Sony as a whole, actually, is that they very much took a leaf out of Apple's book, which is also hugely ironic, given that Apple... As you know, from the early days, Steve Jobs very much based the style and iconography and spirit of Apple on, on the original Sony. Right. Yeah. But the way Sony has been uh, copying Apple is by simplifying its product lines and focusing on the winners. Hmm. And I think they've become very reluctant to focus on any category that isn't an outright winner for them. It represents a huge opportunity cost for a company that's recently been you know, before the launch of the PS4, recently been in trouble. But thanks to Kaz Hirai, Andrew House, Jim Ryan, and and their likes, Shuhei Yoshida, etc., the, the whole of Sony, not just PlayStation, has been stewarded excellently to a much stronger, healthier position, a much more streamlined product line. All of their product lines are smashes. Their cameras are absolutely amazing. Their TVs are great again. Hmm. You know, so I I don't think they'll do it. I would be very, very surprised. So whether by a combination of it being a uh, technically impossible because the PS4 cannot be shrunk down to a hybrid form factor or institutionally impossible or financially impossible, you don't think we'll see sort of a PS4 hybrid, PS4 switch sort of take on like a third like a third type of PS4. You, you don't think Sony wants to do that or can do that? I don't think it's a case of it being technically impossible mm. because at some point it will become possible. And I don't think it's financially impossible because Sony does now have the financial muscle to do it. I think there is a new attitude about Sony, which was very much instituted by Kaz Hirai about focusing on the winners. PS4 is clearly a winner and Vita wasn't a winner. It wasn't a loser either, but it was nowhere near as successful as they would have liked it to have been globally. So I think it's purely an opportunity cost decision that it will take their focus away. You know, they, you have to remember, they recently launched quite a few products. They launched um, the PS4 Pro and the PSVR. These are significant product launches for them. VR is enough of a distraction for them and more future-facing than the mobile category, which they've never really been totally successful in the way they have been you know just profoundly successful with their home consoles what do you think needs to get better when it comes to psvr um because we we've heard uh you know uh, sony release i think in japan i'm not sure if it's also available in other countries like a slightly improved version of the psvr headset uh do you do you think that's uh that's been enough or that sony needs to do more uh to uh 
to improve the headset, to improve the technology behind it. Because we're seeing now, for example, at CES, HTC announced the Vive Pro, which is another considerable leap for what arguably is the most advanced VR headset. So I wonder if Sony is really serious about this, what is it that you think they should do to improve PSVR? Well, Sony has the leading device in the market. Let's not forget that by some considerable margin. And you might have heard recent news that Steam are going to create uh, games for VR. Sorry, Valve are going to create games for um, VR. You remember they promised some high-spec games. And there's some um, rumblings that these might come to PSVR. Why? Because PSVR is a dominant VR platform in the home at the moment. The Rift and the Vive are a bit more niche, but the PSVR is a lot more established in the home. Clearly, it's not an established product in the sense that something like the PS4 is or the Switch is. It's a different type of proposition. I think they understand that it's going to take some time for this to grow up. And they're going to give it that time. I think all of the players are going to give the time that's necessary for VR to evolve. So from that perspective, although technically it's not as good as the other devices, particularly when it comes to the motion controller, the motion controller's uh, issues are well documented in terms of its mm. precision and tracking and so on. But I think there are a whole bunch of other things that need to be done before uh, VR really takes off. And it's not just down to the headsets becoming higher resolution or the controllers becoming more accurate and so on. I think there's a lot more to do. So I think it's very important for the headsets to become a lot lighter. I think wireless is a very important yeah. requirement now so that the damn thing doesn't feel so cumbersome <laughs> on your head. It doesn't feel like you're, you're strapping yourself into a supercomputer uh, that has cables going into you, making you feel like you're going into the matrix. I think there needs to be more work done on haptics. We really haven't had much of an advance in that area in a while so that when you touch the world, you actually feel the world touch you back. That I think is going to be very important. So room scale, yes, that's going to be cool. Wireless, um, more uh, more performance support in some ways, so some kind of coprocessor uh, upgrade. These things will make a big difference, but haptics is a big one. The advantage that PlayStation has, of course, is that it doesn't have a really good, ironically, it doesn't have a really good uh, motion controller in the game right now. So that must mean, if they've been doing their R&D, that they're already working on something hmm. that is going to be absolutely amazing and is going to be priced affordably. So I'm looking forward to seeing that when that comes out, whatever their next controller is going to be. And I'm not talking about an incremental upgrade to the moves because I don't think that will happen. Hmm. I'm talking about a generational leap. That I'm looking forward to. If they can do that, um, if they can announce the next uh, iteration of PSVR, probably towards the end of 2018. That's going to be interesting. In the meantime, they don't have to do an awful lot because as long as they keep feeding the device with good software and improving software, which seems to have been happening of late, you know, you had Doom coming onto PSVR. It's a great experience and so many other games joining it as well. Then I think they're going to be okay. I don't think they're going to be worrying too much. They're not going to be pumping too much money into it. 
don't get me wrong, it's not like they think it's something that warrants the same level of support as their bread and butter PS4, but it is going to continue to get supported and I think it will at some point see some amazing mm. controllers for it. That's going to make a profound difference. Mm. Not the not the display, not the headset, but the rest of it. You mentioned uh, late 2018, which is funny because that that is also the fifth anniversary of the PlayStation 4's uh, release, uh, original release in 2013. It doesn't feel like it's been five years to me. Wow. Yeah. And to me, it feels like we're still in the, in, in the second wave of games. It feels like we were just getting started now. And we're going to talk about some games that are coming out this year. But to me, it doesn't feel like this is a console in its fifth year. Um, wow! But yeah, it came out in November, November, <laughs> November 2013. So in November 2018, in the holiday season this year, it'll be five years of PlayStation 4. Uh, Where which, did that time go? Yeah, it, uh, it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel that way. Um, but I wanna, I wanted to. I, I was thinking about this. Like, I wonder if we're going to start hearing at least the first rumors of a PlayStation 5. Because usually, uh, back in the day, used to be, and back in the day for me, it would be like PlayStation 1 to PlayStation 2 transition. That's what I remember. But it used to be that a console lasted five, six years. And by the fifth year of a console, you, you started reading on magazines and later on the internet uh, about rumors of the next console. Because the life cycle used to be four, five, six years, but seven was, for example, just too much. Um, and we're now in the fifth year of PlayStation 4. So I wonder if... I don't expect an announcement of a PlayStation 5 this year by Sony. Uh, if only because they have so many games launching uh, on PlayStation 4. Uh, but I wonder if we're starting hearing the first rumors of the next platform and maybe get an announcement in 2019. What, what do you think? For sure. I think that's absolutely spot on. Now... I'm a registered PlayStation developer, so I have to be very careful about what I say. Right. But I, I can tell you with certainty that I've got no exposure to PS5 at all. Um, but if I did, I wouldn't say anything about right. it. Mm -hmm. So if I go completely silent, you can infer from that <laughs> so the, what you want. <laughs> the fact but that you right say now, no is just a no. So I, I believe right you. now I it's you. a no. Okay. Mm. So I, I don't know anything about a PS5. Um, and I, I would not report on any rumors that I've heard from, from sources either. But what I will say is that your, your logic is flawless. Around about the time of the fifth year, you will likely see if a PS5 is being worked on, and I think it will be given the success of PS4, it will be put into the hands of internal studios and some absolutely top flight highly respected, highly reputable developers mm -hmm. sometime this year. And it will be very, very early hardware. Next year, you'll see maybe a couple more iterations on the development hardware until they have the final version. And then you'll start to hear about it. You know, someone will leak something. It, I hope nobody leaks anything. If it's going to be a thing that happens this year, I'd be very surprised. But I, I would also be... Um, not in the least bit surprised if some developer leaks something about it next year. So you think 2020 for PlayStation 5, basically, uh, if they're working on it. I, I think it makes sense. Uh, yeah, I would say seven years is a good point. Seven years for and, PlayStation 4 makes sense, yeah. Yeah, because, it, I mean, they're still, remember, they still have PS4 Pro in the market. Right. 
Right. So that gives them a bit more time. You know, if the PS4 isn't doing as well in the P- they, and they have the opportunity to reduce the price on the PS4 Pro mm-hmm. and then top-level developers are targeting that and then you get more family-oriented, casual stuff on the standard PS4, which gets a price cut, as is often the case. You know, it goes down to uh, US 199. That would be a really important price point. That's the other interesting thing about PlayStation, actually. I need to look back at the dates that price drops happened. But the thing that I find really interesting about PS4 is how long it's been able to maintain a reasonably good uh, retail price. That, that's without true. having to go to a price drop. To get to 70, plus, 70 million plus units without, you know, without that sub $200 price point is a staggering achievement. So this episode of Remaster is brought to you by Squarespace. Use the offer code insertcoin at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace so that you easily create the website that you want for your next idea. With the ability to grab a unique domain name, take advantage of beautiful, award-winning, customizable templates and more, they are the only one platform that will let you build your next site. Whether you want to create an online store, portfolio, or a blog, it doesn't matter. With Squarespace, you truly can make your next move. You don't have to worry about anything because they have an award-winning 24-7 customer support team. They're there if you need any help. They have nothing to install with Squarespace. There are no patches or upgrades to worry about. They take care of all of that stuff for you. Their plans start at just $12 a month, but you can sign up for a trial today with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com. And if you enjoy this show, when you sign up, use the offer code insertcoin, all one word, I-N-S-E-R-T-C-O-I-N, and you will get 10% off your first purchase, which is great for you, and you'll show your support for this show, which is great for us. We thank Squarespace for the continued support of this show and Relay FM, Squarespace. Make your next move, make your next website. So really quickly, I want to go through some games that I'm excited to see and to play on PlayStation in 2018. Uh, God of War. I don't think we have a release date, but I'm really excited about this game because I didn't play God of War on PlayStation 3. I loved the original two, uh, the, the original and the sequel on PlayStation 2, I think it came out. Uh, so I'm really excited to, to get back into God of War. Um, the Last of Us Part 2 is supposedly, if it doesn't get delayed, is launching this year. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if this game gets delayed <laughs> because it's, uh, you know, it's the kind of high profile title that, Big companies usually need more time to work on, but I love the first one. I love the story. I love the ending. So I want to see where they go next. Um, uh, I got a confession for you, Shahid. I'm a huge Dragon Ball uh, fan. I used to read the, the manga when I was a kid and eventually watched the anime. And I pre-ordered the collector's edition for Dragon Ball Fighter Z. It's launching in two weeks and I got my Goku figurine coming. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, really, I'm really excited about that. This is the fighting game that basically any Dragon Ball fan has been imagining for their entire life. It's the it's basically like watching the anime, but you control the the anime. It's it's looks amazing. I cannot wait wow. to see what it looks like on on my uh, on the PlayStation Four Pro with the with the four K TV. It looks fantastic. Um, and of course, Mike would have said Red Dead Redemption Two. Uh, I I didn't play the original. 
I'm still hoping for a PlayStation 4 remaster of the original one. It seems like a perfect fit, you know. The game is launching, I think, in the holiday season 2018 again, if it doesn't get delayed for the second time. So mm-hmm. in the meantime, I wouldn't mind a remaster. I'm not saying a remake, but a remaster of the, of, yeah. of the first one, it would make total sense. Timing um, would be good, right? Yeah, perfect. Like, give give me the game sometime around April, for example, uh, and I got until October, November to f- play the first one. Just saying. Um, uh, in terms of uh, JRPGs, uh, Nino Kuni Two is launching, I think, mm, in sometime around March, February, and also Dragon Quest Eleven is coming to the West. So both are two JRPGs that I want to play. And finally, I want to mention there's also actually uh, rumors of a Royal Edition of Final Fantasy Fifteen that basically contains all the fixes and the DLCs that Square Enix put out for um, for the game. I started playing Final Fantasy Fifteen last year then Zelda came out and I stopped I wasn't really taken by the game so I kind of want to see if I get all the DLCs and all the latest updates if the game gets any better um the last one I want to mention, Shahid, is Detroit Become Human. Yeah, this is the next game by David Cage. Is that mm-hmm. the guy's name? Uh, and I'm really intrigued Quantic by. Uh, I'm really intrigued by the by the story and the you know what we've seen so far. The sort of society of people living with humanized uh, androids and solving crimes. Uh, you know, it's my kind of my kind of story. So I'm intrigued by that one as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else on your list of games that we... Yeah, will... yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to Dreams most oh, by Media yes. Molecule. Yes. Uh, that, I think, is going to blow people away with the creative options that it offers. So that I'm really excited about. I don't know if you got a chance to um, listen back to the chat I had with Alex Evans, but in that interview, he revealed that they've got a full digital audio workstation in there. I mean, this is the kind of thing that people make an entire business out of. For those of our listeners who aren't aware what one of these things is, something like Logic Pro X or Pro Tools, these are digital audio workstations, and they basically got a whole one in this video game. It's just phenomenal. But the creative possibilities in this seem astounding, and it's going to look like nothing out there. So I cannot wait for that one. I'm also looking forward to this little... I say little, but really amazing indie game called Knights and Bikes by Foam Sword. Foam Sword is Rex Kroll and Mu Yu, two of my favorite people. I mean, I have lots of favorite people, but these guys are incredibly talented. They're both X of Media Molecule and very highly rated. You might have heard of uh, Mu Yu on one of our shows recently because Mike Bithell and I mentioned him a lot because Mu worked on Subsurface Circular with Mike Bithell, and he's one of the most highly rated developers in the business. Um, yeah, I, I too am looking forward to God of War like you. I kind of focused on the first two. I love the first two. The yeah. first one, especially, I played three times. Mm-hmm. I didn't finish it the third time. So I played it in uh, whatever the normal mode was. I played it in the whatever the hard mode was. I've completely forgotten now. God, I'm getting a uh, getting a uh, an early case of... Uh, God knows what, but c- certainly some of the neurons aren't firing. Spartan, <laughs> that was it. Spartan. Spartan mode oh, you're mode. right. You're right. Yeah, you remember? Yeah. Um, and I think the hardest mode was was it God mode? God mode. I want to say God mode. Um, I can't remember. But yeah, so so I finished it in Spartan mode as well, and then I started playing it in 
god mode or whatever the hardest mode was and i thought you know what <laughs> i'm doing this again uh god of war 2 uh i didn't quite finish but i got about three quarters of the way through god of war 3 i got about a third of the way through mm-hmm. so just like the franchise is getting a bit of a reboot, I'm hoping to give my love for this yeah. one of my all-time favorite games. <laughs> yeah. easily Otherwise, to my top this too. time you're just going to get to the title screen. <laughs> every, that, yeah. <laughs> every time you play that. less and less. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't have that. I'm really looking forward to this. I hope they do a great job of it, and I'm sure they will. Spider-Man, we've talked about oh, a yes. lot. Man, I cannot wait for that one. Um, I know that you and Mike weren't too keen on Days Gone, but I love it from a technical perspective. Yeah, it's it, not so much the story, it, because the story has probably been done to death, but technically, it was especially impressive. on PS4 mm, Pro, mm. that game is going to be yeah pretty impressive. I know, but it was scary. The trailer was <laughs> really... But yeah, it, it, looked impre- it looked... I would say the Spider-Man and Days Gone are, the, from a technical point of view, the two most ex- exciting titles coming to mm-hmm. PS4 Pro in this case. Uh, but yeah, there are lots of zombies, lots of blood and killing and, you know, scary. Not, not Mario-like at all. Shade. No, no. Mm. Hey, we're still playing Mario in our house. Uh, really? Yeah. Still playing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's a nice transition to to Nintendo. Which, by the way, they just had a Nintendo Direct today. Um, so I don't know if you've been following the 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 craziness that's been happening on the uh, N- Nintendo Twitter and Nintendo subreddits. Uh, basically, people have been spe- speculating since December that there was going to be a Nintendo Direct either on January 11th or January 18th. And over the past two weeks, the rumors sort of uh, centered around uh, today, January 11th. And in fact, Nintendo did have a Direct today, but they sort of started playing with people on Twitter by posting a cryptic messages and funny tweets and memes about mm, sort of hiding a secret and basically everyone was freaking out and eventually Nintendo did what they did in the past also which is not a full direct but a direct mini which is a surprise uh, 15 minute Nintendo direct that just came out out of nowhere uh, on YouTube and they announced a bunch of titles for 2018 um, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes but before we get to that you mentioned you're still playing the Mario Odyssey on the Switch and mm-hmm. I want to ask you we I think we sort of we we talked about this in uh, over the past few weeks that we want to see Nintendo in 2018 continue with the kind of pace that we saw in 2017 with Zelda and Mario but we're not sure if that's possible. If you can keep up with that kind of, um, you know, big release after big release that we've seen with the first six months of the Switch. So, do you think games like, for example, Yoshi coming and Kirby coming, and um, what else? We, we, you know, we 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 have Fire Emblem uh, that, in theory, is also launching this year, plus third-party titles and some remasters from the from the Wii U era. Do you think that's enough to to keep the Switch on the same level of everybody is excited about the Switch kind of excitement that we see that that we, that we saw in twenty seventeen? Look, it's the fastest-selling console in U.S. history. Mm. It's the fastest-selling console in a number of countries. I'm not sure it's the case for the U.K., but nevertheless, the hardware is a phenomenon. It's installing like hotcakes. I don't think they can keep up the pace 
that they kicked off with. And there's a good reason for that. They needed to make sure that they hit the ground running. They had maximum impact and maximum awareness around publishers to see just what the machine was capable of. They've got that now. They've got publisher buying. They've got developer buying. And so I think for 2018, they can do some solid releases. Third parties can do solid releases. It becomes an established player in a way that hasn't happened for a long time. So you no longer feel surprised when you hear that a game is coming out Mm. on Nintendo and PlayStation at the same time. For example, Celeste is an indie game that's coming out on PS4. It's by Matt Thorson, the creator of Tower 4, but it's also coming out on Switch. And that kind of thing is going to happen more and more, not just at the indie level. It's going to happen at the top end with the biggest publishers in the world as well. And it's already happening, as you know. So I don't think Nintendo need to worry too much. Here's the other thing. They didn't have the capacity to create more than two amazing games. These these projects were three-year-plus projects. And, of course, uh, Breath of the Wild was probably, what, five years? God knows how long that was in the making. And as you know, it was meant for Wii U to begin with. And mm-hmm. they were very sensible in making it a Switch uh, launch title. So I don't think they need to reproduce that in 2018. I think 2019, though, I would be very surprised if having seen the early figures, Nintendo didn't think, you know what? We got something here. Mm -hmm. Get back to work. You're going to have exactly the same resources. In fact, you can have some more resources. Mm. Go crazy. Just Mm. give us something for holiday period 2019 that reinvigorates the console and reminds people why this is the absolute best. They did that really well before, and I think they'll do it again. That's a great point, not just for Nintendo alone. Do you think that third parties sort of didn't expect this kind of success by the Switch? And now that we that, that, that they heard the news that it is, in fact, the fastest-selling consoles in a, console in a bunch of places, including the U.S., that some of these execs went back to their teams and were like, guys, we need to make Switch games. So uh, in whatever project you're working on for E3 2018, for new games, that you want to show off coming later this year or next year, make sure that there's also a Switch version. Do you think that could be the case? Oh, it's definitely the case. I'm, I'm aware of a number of oh. execs having those conversations okay. right now. <laughs> and they're all caught, you know? Mm. Nobody expected it to do this well. And their, their previous complaint was that, well, this is a machine on which only first-party titles sell. Mm. This would have been the case for previous consoles. It doesn't appear to be the case so much on Switch because customers seem to be exposed to a much wider range. Maybe they're a bit more um, open nowadays because here's the thing. In the older days, you didn't have exposure to other platforms, other games as much as you do now. Now, the whole world comes to you through your smartphone and not just you, but you know, kids everywhere, anyone who's interested in Nintendo will be getting news about every single game they want to hear about on their smartphone. So for third parties who previously would have thought, no, it's closed off, Nintendo have their own uh, entrenched fan base. Uh, It's a broad base, but it's a very Nintendo-focused base. That's no longer the case, which is why you have titles that you'd never expect coming to Nintendo. It's all very surprising, you know, seeing some of the titles that we hear about coming to to the Switch. And that, to me, um, is down to Nintendo really developing those third-party relationships. And then the third parties seeing that, hey, it seems to be working for a lot of people. 
and we should be in on this because there's a market here. Speaking of the uh, what Nintendo itself um, needs to do with the Switch, um, I think I mentioned this before, but there's a few things that I want to see at E3 uh, by Nintendo as you know the, their own games for the console. Uh, I want to see Metroid. I want to see the Pokemon game finally. I want to see Super Smash coming. Uh, I know that Fire Emblem and Yoshi are coming this year. I, I, I think we still need to see the big titles, you know, the big stuff like Metroid, like a Pokemon game announced on the Switch. Um, I've been thinking whether Nintendo wants to do a new Mario Kart already, despite the fact that the Switch launched, effectively launched with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which was a Wii U game, but for most people it should be considered a new Mario Kart, so maybe it is a bit too soon. Uh, but I wonder if maybe we were going to see some surprises, like, for example, a new Lu- Luigi adventure game, like Luigi's Mansion. Uh, you know, a full, oh, that was such a cool game. Yeah, or maybe until we wait for a new Mario and a new Zelda, like the, the, the main... Uh, titles in the in the series maybe we could get some kind of new super mario bros type of uh, type of mario game um i also saw a, i also saw a theory on twitter a while back i, I think it was uh, jason schreier from kotaku uh that one possible idea for nintendo would be uh if they do not want to wait another four to five years for the next zelda to come on switch uh they could do something similar to what they did with majora's mask on the nintendo 64 that ocarina of time was so insanely successful and after finishing the game people were craving more zelda in that style the nintendo could take the same engine the same open world setting and make a new game based on breath of the wild but still very much different just like Major- Majora's Mask was different from Ocarina of Time, but obviously based on it, uh, which I think it's an interesting idea because otherwise we're looking at a new Zelda game coming out in 2020, 21, because these games take a long time to make from scratch. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I think it would make an awful lot of sense for them. It'd make a lot of sense from a business perspective, but also from a player's perspective, because People who play these games, I've noticed, people like yourself and Mike, put a lot of time into you know, them. Really, do we? <laughs> you extract everything out of them. You know these places inside out. And so, you know, you, even with the DLCs, you want to get everything. You want everything you can get out of this. I don't think, and correct me if I'm off track here, I don't think you would feel bad about buying a new game done in the same way as Majora's Mask. Yeah? (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) So so you can be sure that Nintendo have listened to people like you and Mike and realized that that's a smart move. It would be crazy if they didn't do that. Yeah, um... I mean, I you know, not from a creative perspective, just from a business perspective. There's, it would be crazy if they didn't do it. Yeah, because it's good business. Yeah, it, it is terrific business, uh, especially because I mean, just off the top of my head, but you could do something like you know, Breath of the Wild is set a uh, hundred years after this big event broke out, and you could do the same world but a hundred years before. So you could actually show Hyrule uh, before the disruption and all the catastrophes and all that. But it could be the same world, the same familiar places, but highly different than what we saw in Breath of the Wild, which had this uh, sort of um, post-apocalyptic 
style. You know, everything's been destroyed. Everything, you know, the castle has been taken over by Ganon. So I could see the same setting working in a different timeline. That's what I'm saying. That would be that mm-hmm. would be kind of cool, actually. Um, mm. Because, yeah, I don't want to wait four or five years for a new Zelda. What am I supposed to do in the meantime? Nintendo even said that Breath of the Wild is content complete, so no more DLCs coming. Uh, so am I supposed to be running around my motorbike for four years, just sprinting on my bike uh, for until 2022? 20, 20, That's just crazy. There, uh, there are other games. I, don't... I know, I know, I know. You could, you could say, well, just play, for example, Animal Crossing, uh, which has to be has to be happening on Switch. I mean, it's the perfect console for a real new Animal Crossing. And I fear for people who really get into Animal Crossing now that when it comes on Switch, you know, it's portable, it's always with you. It's, it can be even worse than the 3DS, which I know, <laughs> I know people that played New Leaf on the 3DS for God knows how many hundreds of hours. Like, mm. a, like it was a real problem. Today's show is brought to you by Mac Weldon. They make the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you're ever going to put on your body. Frankly, Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. They're so confident of this fact over at Mac Weldon that they have a no questions asked return policy. They want you to be super comfortable. If you're not super comfortable in what you buy from them, if you don't like that first pair, just keep it and they'll refund you. No questions asked. Frankly, I think they just don't want you to send underwear back to them. But they want to back it up with that no questions asked return policy because they know it's going to be good stuff. Because by pairing premium fabrics with meticulous attention to detail and a simple shopping experience, Mac Weldon delivers a new level of daily comfort right to your door. They make undershirts that stay tucked, socks that stay up, and waistbands that don't roll. Everything is made of premium cotton, blended with natural fibers. And what I love about Mack Weldon is how good I feel when I wear their stuff. I have a bunch of Mack Weldon clothing. Most of my underwear is Mack Weldon now that I'm a true convert. I bought them with my own money. Uh, they sent me some lovely sweatpants. Those sweatpants I'll talk about for the rest of my life and I'm going to buy more and more pairs as I need more and more pairs all the time because they're so comfortable. I use them for traveling, but honestly, I want a pair for around the house too. So I'm going to be taking a visit over to Mack Weldon soon. I'm pretty sure. Not only do Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well. They're good for working out, going to work, traveling, for everyday life. Listeners of this show can get a wonderful 20% off at MacWeldon.com. That is M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Just by using the code REMASTER at checkout. Our thanks to Mac Weldon for their support of this show and Relay FM. Nintendo had a direct today, I mentioned. Um, we saw, I think, two trends uh, that we can extrapolate from that are that existing games are being kept around uh, with updates, uh, with new content. We saw uh, an update coming for Mario Odyssey. It's getting a balloon mode, which is a really clever idea, I think, uh, that takes advantage of both the portability of the Switch and the nature of the game itself. So balloon mode uh, requires you to either uh, hide a balloon somewhere in the st- in the open, you know, in the big open stages of Mario Odyssey and for other people to find that hidden balloon or you can find a balloon hidden by other people and upload it to the Mario Odyssey online community. I think it's super clever because it lends itself well to the short play sessions of the Switch if you're playing in portable mode or you can binge a bunch of balloons if you're playing in 
TV mode. And it also it takes direct advantage of the um, geometry and the vertical structure and the exploration of the of the stages in Mario Odyssey. You know, especially if you if you've been playing the game a lot and you know all the nooks and crannies of each stage, then balloon mode makes total sense. So I'm, I'm, you know, one thing I didn't understand about this was that they said that you have to finish the game to you, unlock it. Yeah. Does that mean that if you've already finished, you need to go back and finish it again? No, I think it just Luigi will pop up somewhere if you finish the game and you'll talk to Luigi and he'll tell you about balloon mode. Yeah, but if you've already finished it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't mean complete absolutely everything. I mean, you've beaten Bowser, right? You've, yeah. You've done all that. And... uh but my my reading of it was not very clear. My understanding was that you still had to go go back and perhaps beat Bowser again um, in no, order for this mode to be unlocked. Or no. will it just detect that you've you've already done it? Yeah, I think it'll just be that Luigi will be waiting for you somewhere uh, after you finish the game. So if you still need to finish the game, go finish the main story. If you if you already finished the main story, just go to the place on the map possibly in New Donk City, where Luigi is already waiting for you. I think that's, ah, cool. that's okay. what they meant. Um, and the other update is uh, new content for uh, Marion Rabbids, which is a game that I want to get back to, but now I've been busy playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Uh, I'm at 60 hours. Uh, it's, uh, I have many thoughts wow. about the, the game that I will share in a future episode. Um, but uh, Donkey Kong is coming to Mario and Rabbids, uh, which uh, makes sense, I guess. It's uh, I I don't uh, I was telling this to Mike. I really don't like Donkey Kong. It's not I'm not a Donkey Kong person, but I can see why it could be a nice extra for Mario and Rabbids. So um, the ap- last time I loved Donkey Kong was um, was on the on the SNES actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not so much the Nintendo 64. Uh, there was Diddy Kong Racing on the Nintendo 64. Yeah. So the last time I really loved it was, a, was the first two Donkey Kongs, Donkey Kong Country and uh, DKC2. I, I would like to see a Donkey Kong Country game, but I, I don't, know, don't know anything about Tropical Freeze. Do you know anything about it? So Tropical Freeze came out on the Wii U, and um, I think I owned the game on the Wii U, but either i try to get back into donkey kong but i think i played for like 20 minutes before thinking yeah this isn't really enough for me and it's now coming to the switch which is the second trend that that i think we're seeing is remasters from wii u era games coming to the switch and i i guess it's a it makes sense it's a 2d uh it's like maybe two and a half D platformer, you know, basically 2D with mm-hmm. 3D graphics, um, which is sort of in the style of the old Donkey Kong Country platform games. I really don't like them. I, I really don't like Donkey Kong and I, it doesn't resonate with me. But mm. most people say that it's a great game, that it's a great platformer. So uh, I think it makes sense for Nintendo to bring, you know, uh, there's a bunch of titles that Nintendo should bring from the, from the Wii U to the Switch. For example, Wind Waker HD. Uh, you know, it's a beautiful remaster of the GameCube game that Nintendo yeah, yeah. launched the Wii U. It should be on the Switch. So, yeah. uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze makes sense. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Mario Tennis Aces. I've always loved yes. Mario Tennis yes. games. So, this is the possibly... <laughs> From the Game Boy, you know? Yeah, this is the second biggest announcement from today, that we're getting a new Mario Tennis game. And 
just like the Game Boy Advance version, it's got a story mode. So it's sort of, it's a cross between an RPG and a tennis game um i want <laughs> yeah how does that work <laughs> uh basically i think you get the standard tennis uh uh games but also in the story mode you get like you you can move mario on a board sort of like uh, uh, in a mario party game you have this map and you move mario across multiple levels and you need to complete objectives based on tennis so like you need for example to fight a monster but you cannot use the fireballs and you cannot jump you need to throw tennis balls at the monster that that kind of stuff so that makes sense yeah it makes <laughs> i remember tennis uh mario tennis uh, i don't remember the name on the gba i really liked the addition of story mode it makes surprisingly a lot of sense uh to combine these two genres so i think we we saw that with golf story which i think mike also likes um but the biggest, arguably the biggest news from today was that Dark Souls uh, remaster is coming to Nintendo Switch uh, sometime in May 2018. I am really excited about this, Shahid, because I never, I know Dark Souls, I never played Dark Souls on PlayStation. Um, and I feel like the Switch could be the perfect platform for Dark Souls because the, it's a very hard game where you need to try and try and try and the portable console makes sense because I can try to not die multiple times throughout <laughs> the day in multiple Get places. frustrated everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> See, take your sh- frustrations with you. <laughs> you can take, you know, be frustrated everywhere. We got our own marketing campaign for Dark Souls on the Switch. Um, <laughs> So we've talked about, uh, you know, Nintendo needs to keep up with the pace and we, the games that we want to see. The games that Nintendo mentioned, at the, the Nintendo Direct Mini, we don't know. I mean, there's going to be new Nintendo Directs this year. Uh, I don't know if the next uh, big one is going to be uh, at E3 or maybe there's going to be another one before. We'll see. But I want to ask you one last question before we, we move to Microsoft. Um, do you think it is too soon? to start speculating about a Nintendo Switch Pro, Switch S, Switch XL, whatever. Because basically, here's what I want. I want a Nintendo Switch that is, that is capable of offering 4K output when it's connected to my TV, that it's got a bigger screen, that is lighter when I'm holding the console in my hands, that it's got a longer battery, and that supports Bluetooth headphones. So this is my ideal Nintendo Switch uh, Pro sort of enhancement, uh, but I think it is too soon, right? It's definitely yeah, too soon. I, if something like that, which sounds eminently reasonable for the next step, is in the works, I don't think they're going to announce it this year. They have one of the fastest selling and will probably end up being one of the best selling consoles in the history of the industry. They have some of the greatest games ever made already in their first year from last year on the console they don't need to upgrade it yet they don't even need to talk about upgrading yet they need to milk what they've got support it as heavily as they can get a huge install base there so people can just make tons of money on it you know their partners can do really well out of it but i i hear you i think the next steps might well be to improve the resolution of the physical device i wouldn't imagine that a move to 4k makes any sense for nintendo at all they don't need to do that it's not the game that they're playing but a higher resolution screen on the switch itself perhaps a bit more contrast better multiplayer these are all sensible suggestions and uh, no doubt you will be 
designing their next machine just as you were instrumental in the redesign of iOS 10 going to iOS 11. (laughs) (laughs) So we talked about arguably the two top players in this very moment when it comes to console gaming. Sony with the PlayStation 4, over 70 million units, and uh, you know a PlayStation 4 Pro that is, I don't want to say struggling, but clearly less popular than the standard PS4 just because, you know, a lot of people don't have 4K TVs yet and they feel like they don't need a PlayStation 4 Pro. And on the other on the other side, we got Nintendo with the Switch uh, with this totally new hybrid console idea that we, you know, a lot of people thought it wouldn't work and it turns out that people were actually craving this kind of console and this kind of comeback from Nintendo. Um, I'm going to say, Shade. I am excited about both companies in 2018 for different reasons. Nintendo, because I want to see how they follow up to this insane success that they found in nine months in 2017. And Sony, because I feel like um, they are... Obviously, with the PlayStation 4, they've been at the top of their game. Uh, it's an amazing console. The PlayStation 4 Pro, I'm, I'm playing with it. I'm playing Horizon, finally, on my new TV, and it looks amazing. And we wow. have some really some really interesting and, you know, uh, big games coming this year. But I also want to, see, want to see how... I'm curious about Sony and how they can say... Uh, we know that you you people have been all into the you know the Nintendo Switch, but don't forget the PlayStation Four uh, is also the best selling console of this generation. So uh, two highly different consoles. I want to see how they do in twenty eighteen, and um, you know I'm I'm really really curious to see what happens next. I think it's going to be a fantastic year for yeah. software. Yeah, no doubt about that. You've got a really excellent situation for both companies you have a healthy business environment for both of these companies that's when they can afford to take slightly more risks as far as content is concerned so i'm looking forward to seeing the quality of the content the other interesting thing for me about playstation is earlier on you mentioned quite rightly that we're coming up to the fifth anniversary is after a while people get really really good at understanding Mm, mm -hmm. what makes a console tick okay and if they've had one or two iterations so look for some of the best studios the leading studios who worked on ps4 right at the very beginning and who are about to start working on or release their third title that is going to be amazing because the lessons learned from the first two will make the third one look absolutely sensational so i think we we haven't seen anywhere near the peak of excellence yet on PlayStation. That's what's exciting. We might have seen the peak of excellence on Nintendo already, and we're unlikely to surpass it in 2018. But I think in 2019, you're going to see some software on Nintendo that will surpass the peaks. Yes, the peaks of 2017, if that's possible. You know, when we do these shows, Shahid, uh, that the final thing I say is it's consistently always being the same sentence over the past i would say three years uh, at the beginning of the year we do this kind of episode and we talk about our excitements our hopes and dreams but mostly i just want to see a new metroid game <laughs> you know what i'm with you on this brother <laughs> oh, i want so a metroid it's game two too. of us it's two of us <laughs> just, <laughs> just do it already nintendo 
Stop doing this to us. 2018, the what? year of Metroid 4. It's all we want to see. This entire episode, we talked about a bunch of topics, but really just give us Metroid 4. We're, just give we're us done. Metroid. Just, that's all we want. Yeah. <laughs>